welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Brown, and thanks so much for joining me as we continue to explore the fields of sound healing, sound therapy, and generally using sound for health and wellness. Today's guest is Guy Bader, a sound meditation facilitator and sound wellness arts director. He really is a source of knowledge and research when it comes to psychology, musicology, and psychoacoustics. In our discussion, we talk about how to tell and hear the special differences in singing bowls, overtones, timbre, how the bowls affect us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We talk about the pulsations that happen within the bowls. What are we hearing and what is the tone of the bowl doing when we play it? We also talk about the differences, the ethos of antique bowls versus new bowls and how bowls have changed. I find this to be a really fascinating conversation with Guy, a helpful one for sound workers to really listen and and find those fine nuances that happen within our singing bowls and to gain more understanding with what's happening with them and how they affect us. This podcast is sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa located in Sarasota, Florida. You can find them at theohmshop.com. There you'll see that they have a vast array of vibrational medicine tools, crystal bowls, a learning center. They have a luxury spa there in Sarasota, Florida, And you'll find as you're looking for products, looking for tools to build your sound therapy practice, they offer great advice. They'll really help you select those tools that are appropriate for you and helping others. So please check out the Ohm Shop and Spa. And thank you so much to the Ohm Shop for their sponsorship. Please enjoy this podcast with Guy Bader. All right. Well, welcome, Guy. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's really nice to have you be a part of this podcast series. Thank you so much, Natalie. It's it's a big honor, and yeah, I I just feel honored. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, why don't we start with your background? Let's assume that you know some people in the audience know about you, and and some do not. So, how about some highlights from? your life, especially maybe when you were young, um, where you're from, and your background, perhaps prior to the sound work, and then we can talk about what led you to the work you're doing now. Thank you. Um, so, well, I was, uh, I was born in Ukraine, back then it was Soviet Union, uh, 1976. Uh, and, well, <laughs> I think we will, we will stick to the sound to the subject that is really relevant uh, well I remember myself being connected to music these are my first memories actually I was probably eight nine months old and uh, my parents were playing uh, prohibited music in Soviet Union which was uh, classic rock um, and uh, I, I certainly remember that my perception uh, of 
the world uh, always had um, some sort of a soundtrack. It was always connected, the scenes, the scenarios, um, the theatrical actions in my life was always associated or followed by some sort of a uh, soundtrack. Uh, when I was, I think I was 11, 12 years old, um, one of my neighbors uh, who was a couple years older, uh, he introduced me to heavy metal. And heavy metal music it was uh, extremely prohibited in Soviet Union. And I remember uh, when I was 13, uh, closer to the age of 14 years old, I was even brought to a police station for buying a vinyl of Judas Priest uh, on black market. So that's one of my vivid memories uh, connected to, um, to my hobby, music. But um, yeah, I, I, I was never playing any musical instrument. To be quite honest, I simply didn't have uh, patience. Uh, unfortunately, now I kind of <clears throat> regret that I didn't spend some time learning uh, a guitar, for example, or, or a flute. Um, so the moment I got introduced to heavy metal through this uh, neighbor of mine, well, I remember it as a wow moment. Uh, I couldn't even imagine that things like that are even possible with, with the sound. Um, and it expanded me real time. Um, when, when I was 14, we immigrated to Israel. My whole family immigrated to Israel. Uh, Soviet Union was uh, breaking, breaking down. And um, we ended up in uh, a little town with no Russian-speaking uh, families. Uh, so I felt all alone. And again, here my memories are really connected to the music. I always, uh, I was traveling with the music. I, uh, was never alone while listening to the music. Um, but again, it didn't cross my mind to pick up any musical instrument and learn playing it. I just knew that I don't have patience, this is not for me. Uh, so I was just a, a good listener. Um, then, well, uh, my journey brought me to United States. Uh, I immigrated to United States in 2005. And as long as I remember myself, I was always drawn to the questions, what, what am I? What is consciousness? Who or what is the observer within me? What is this thing, my body, that I feel connected with and uh, feel the environment through, through my senses. And of course, uh, this question brought me to uh, study of Buddhism, yoga, um, some esoterical knowledge. Um, I remember experimenting and uh, practicing with audio files of Robert Monroe. Um, 
doing some exercises uh, successfully uh, uh, to disconnect from my body, uh, astral projection. And um, um, I don't know how your listeners are familiar with uh, the work of Robert Monroe, but he was using binaural beats. He was using sound to, uh, to help the listener uh, to disconnect from the body and to go on a journey. Um, so yeah, I was doing that for several months. And as I said, it, well, I did have uh, some success with that. I did have uh, uh, really interesting uh, meetings uh, with uh, whatever uh, intelligence uh, force was sent to me. And at some point, um, I met uh, a circle of people who were uh, drinking uh, uh, medicine plant, sacred medicine plant. Um, they saw in me, uh, they were like, okay, he's one of us. He's trusted, and I was invited to a sacred plant medicine ceremony. And that was actually the way it was introduced to me. You're going to go to sacred plant ceremony. So the word sacred made me think, what is really sacred to me? What does it mean, sacred? Even though I was practicing a uh, few things and meditating and going deeper into the um, realizations what consciousness is what what you know and realizing how uh, precious is the gift of, of life still um, I was pretty my understanding of the uh, connotation of the word sacred was pretty shallow so Remember, I remember asking, what is sacred? What is sacred plant? And they were simply replying, okay, well, you will come and see. Come with intention and, you know, you will realize what sacred means. But, of course, I'm simplifying that right now. So here I am at the uh, ayahuasca ceremony, uh, meeting my demons, meeting my angels. It was quite a journey, uh, a roller coaster. Um, and right away, I felt that this, this is very useful for me and very expanding. Uh, and yes, well, it was very scary as well. I believe it was a third quarter of the ceremony where the shaman announced that whoever wants to offer uh, a poem or a song uh, you are welcomed to do that now. And uh, the whole ceremony, I must say, was uh, reminding me some sort of exorcism. It was hardcore uh, uh, Icaros, uh, very uh, intense, very like rhythmic. And all of a sudden, um, I hear this uh, female voice, and it just feels like a blanket warm blanket of safety. It just shifted me from what was happening before and just brought me to completely uh, different space. 
So I was listening to her song, realizing how transparent her voice is and how connected she is right now to her soul. There was nothing fake in that voice. And I'm not talking about the technique she was performing her song, but nothing fake in terms of the emotions. I knew that she means every word that she is singing right now. So listening to this song, I was all of a sudden, I, I, I thought, okay, well, this is something sacred. What she's doing right now, it is sacred because it's not fake. It's, it's just, this is the ultimate truth. And I really want to be connected to the same source that she's connected right now. Um, after her singing, and it was a dark space, it was a night ceremony. So um, she finished her song. There were a few seconds of uh, some short pause. And then something really weird took place in that room. It felt like uh, a liquid gold is getting into this space and, and just flooding, flooding this space. And I, I heard the sound, but I wasn't sure it's the sound because I never heard anything like that before. So uh, literally my mind didn't know how to interpret this information because sound is always, it's an energy and information. Well, I got really confused and then the sound dissipated and it happened again. So I knew, well, yeah, there is something vibrating, resonating and emitting this sound, but I know, I don't know what it is. I'm not familiar with this instrument. I'm not familiar with this timbre. So, well, I'd better find it out uh, once the ceremony is over. Um, yeah, and well, it was continuing for a few minutes. And then uh, there was a song, a guy played a guitar, um, he sang a song, but uh, I, I just, uh, I, I needed to know what was that before, what was that instrument. Um, when the ceremony was over and we had a sharing circle, um, I, sh I was sharing my highlights and that was one of them. Uh, so I found a person who was, uh, well, he said, well, there was a guy who said, well, you're describing my singing bowl. That was my singing bowl. I struck a few times uh, this bowl and he showed me the bowl. Uh, he told me, well, this is a, a Tibetan singing bowl. It's made out of seven metals. Uh, he described me what these metals are, what are they associated with. Uh, he also told me, I don't remember uh, which chakra the ball he associated with, but it kind of felt really weird, A, uh, because, uh, well, I remember being skeptical right away, uh, because, well, I have a mechanical engineering degree, and 
Um, I, I've studied metallurgy, so it appeared to me really um, kind of not really logical to uh, put in the same alloy uh, mercury, uh, lead, iron, copper. These metals, they have dramatically uh, a huge difference in the melting temperatures. The mercury would evaporate at the ambient temperature and just to melt the iron, you need like really high temperature. But however, uh, being so impressed with the sound, I also, I, I, you know, I also became very impressed with the, with the, with the story, with the myth. But I must say that this story, this myth, uh, was the huge, maybe the biggest motivator for me to dive into research and to check uh, what is really sound healing and, <clears throat> and what is so special about uh, singing bowl. One thing I want to add, and I think it's very important, uh, that also gave my journey um, uh, structured, my uh, trajectory of my journey, is that I wasn't really comfortable with the sound of the singing bowl when I heard it first time. Um, it felt very uh, cold. It felt very melancholic. And uh, while I heard this sound, I actually wanted to hide myself from it because it was pulling something out of my chest. The, the feeling of loneliness and the feeling of sadness, it just grabbed those feelings that I wasn't even aware they are there and was pulling them out of me. So I was imagining just a little corner in the whole universe where I can hide myself from this sound. But at the same time, I didn't want to hide myself. I wanted to stay there and to expose myself to this sound. So that thing and, um, and my skepticism both brought me to the path of uh, exploration. What are the singing bowls? And what are the effects on the mental, emotional, and of course, physical states the sound makes on, on human? Right, so you really had this profound experience that drew you into the singing bowls, but you also had a lot of wonder about why why did it have that effect? So what did you do next? I mean, as far as your curiosity, did you just start researching on your own or what was the next step to, to look into all this? Yeah, well, <laughs> the, <laughs> next, the next step, of course, was uh, uh, <laughs> browsing, browsing on the internet and searching for a singing bowl. And I found one that sounded almost the same as uh, the bowl on the ceremony. So. I purchased that bowl and I was simply listening to this bowl, recalling the feeling of loneliness and sadness, uh, all this bouquet of melancholic, fe melancholic uh, feelings, and just diving, diving into that. And um, 
opening new doors in my understanding who I am and what are what are these uh, 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 concepts that I'm dealing with? The, what is the sadness actually? Because right now, while listening to this sound, I really don't have any reason to be sad. It's just the sound that makes me sad. Why? And what is sadness without a reason? Maybe there is never a reason to be sad. So why do I feel sad when there is no reason? And why do I feel sad when maybe there is a reason? Um, so yeah, well, I purchased my first singing bowl. I've done a lot of research on the internet and um, I, I was buying every possible book on sound healing. Uh, and again, it was raising a lot of questions. None of my questions actually was uh, answered by these books or the information that I was uh, coming across. So, uh, I think it was uh, 2009 Oh yeah, the ceremony. That ceremony happened in two thousand seven. It was between. Uh, it was a winter in two thousand six, two thousand seven. So in two thousand nine, uh, I came across uh, the website of uh, Soran Shrestha, and uh, I was kind of struggling, going back and forth with should I uh, should I book his workshop or or not? And I, I well. Let me tell you something. Well, I saw right away that his approach is about uh, nodes and chakras, treating uh, chakras, energetic centers with nodes. And I was always, always, always skeptical about it. And if we want to talk about it, we can uh, we can shed some light on this uh, subject too. Uh, but it just happened. So uh, <clears throat> my wife. Um, contacted Soren and she was acquiring if, if he's uh, uh, planning to come to New York and run a workshop. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. So a few months later uh, I had another turn in my journey um, we had a fight with my wife and uh, I left. Uh, we were maintaining um, the connection, uh, but I had to move to a different apartment. And um, um, I really don't want to get in this story, but I think this episode is very important to explain what did this sound, how did this sound uh, help me to go through my life. So a couple months after we separated, my wife uh, died um, in the accident. And uh, the workshop with Soren Shrestha was already booked. And Soren came to New York uh, two days after my wife died. Of course, I wanted to cancel the workshop, um, but Soren, he didn't insist. He just said, uh, listen, well, this is what she wanted to, you to do, so let's do it anyways. Um, so I took the workshop. Um, 
uh, we we created really a close connection with Soren. Um, and I still I still have a lot of love that I project even now while, while I talk about him. Um, but again, this workshop raised even more questions. Some of my questions were, for example, um, if we treat uh, the chakras with uh, the nodes, whatever, okay, whatever. So Seren suggested there are two systems. Uh, there is a system of chromatic scale, I'm sorry, diatonic scale, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, and there is a, a, a authentic Tibetan system, which is uh, jumping from one chakra to another uh, by fifths. So the nodes that are associated to the chakras are uh, having uh, the interval of perfective between them. But the set of the singing balls that uh, he was working with uh, to treat the chakras, uh, well, it, it was not quite uh, the circle of fifths. It did have uh, the notes corresponding to the intervals, but uh, from the same octave. I'm sorry, it was two octaves, actually. It just, it just didn't make any sense to me. But I realized that, well, if I will ask him about it, I may put him in a very uncomfortable position. So it was, at that point, not really important to me. Um, uh, having my first set that I purchased from uh, Soren, a set of singing balls, and I had a few more singing balls uh, before taking this workshop. <clears throat> Having all these balls um, and the courage to go into, uh, dive into the healing work. And of course, well, I had all the motivation in the world to help people uh, to resolve their pain because now I was also dealing with my pain. And I became extremely sensitive to the pain of other people. Um, so, I was working with uh, singing balls, and I was uh, utilizing. I was using uh, the method that Saran passed to me. Um, well, it did work to some extent, uh, but over the time, I realized, okay, well, I just must uh, do something else. I have to experiment and not always uh, use the same notes for uh, and the same sequence, because people simply need different things. That ball that I'm striking right now is a little darkish and this ball has certainly different ethos, certainly different uh, timbre, it's more joyful. Do I really need to play the darkish sound right now? Or maybe I would switch right away to the, to the one that would uh, entrain the person to, to something joyful, cher cherishing. And that's how I think I started the path of, uh, of the artist. So I, you know, I became more connected to both of my hemispheres. I was using the logic and I was also using the intuition. 
and uh, connection, connection to my own core and connection to, to the client. Uh, in regards to my very first singing bowl, and I think this is a, a good place now to talk about that very first singing bowl that I purchased while being in relationship, while having the family. It was staying on the bookshelf and collecting the dust and I couldn't play it because the, the sound was uh, really associated with a lot of pain and memories and um, well, I, I, I just, I, it, there were some moments when I wanted even to damage this singing ball just to break it or to give it away. Um, I don't remember how and why, but I, I picked that ball. Probably I wanted to, um, <laughs> to torture myself a little and uh, I started to play this ball. And my first reaction was, this is not the same ball. Well, I probably, probably switched the balls. This is not the same ball. But yes, it was the same ball. But I didn't hear those tones that would bring me to the sadness and, and pain. Instead, I heard a high, angelic, crystal clear pitch. And that's where my focus was uh, attached to. That single pitch, that overtone, it was so beautiful. And I really, I wanted to smile. And well, I did smile, but at the same time, uh, asking myself, okay, but what just happened? why this same ball was always sounding uh, that low and slow pulsating um, <clears throat> sad tone and, and now it's something else and then i shifted my focus and i realized okay but that tone is still there i'm just not focused on it i'm focused on another tone the cherishing, the, the joyful one, but that one is still there. And I kind of don't want to go there and I don't want to listen to it. So I just switched. And that was the moment when I realized, okay, well, uh, uh, you know, what, what people say, happiness is a choice. So I purposely was, uh, I chose to be focused on something else. And this is the perfect example how is this happening in our daily life? Reality is the perception. Pre perception is the reality. You, you accept and receive or, or regret and, and uh, resist uh, things that are in your, that you, that you see, that you choose to see. But the world is quite wider and deeper and you can go and explore something else. So that was a really great lesson for me. And I still, uh, I talk about it a lot. I uh, teach my students, I always, well, we have this exercise when I ask them to uh, describe uh, each tone separately and to, uh, to share uh, their associations 
their emotions uh, that are created with the sound. Well, uh, so <laughs> what else? Uh, well, well, you brought, yeah. brought up two main, really big, big points within that that maybe we should look into a little bit deeper. Um, both the kind of psychoacoustic effects and actually there might be all these things going on with the bowl, but it's more how it's affecting us, you know, emotionally and mentally and, and physically that maybe we're drawn to particular sounds, but actually maybe a, a great point to, to start that I think is really important for all of us in this work is, you know, what are, what does make these bowls special? And are there big differences between new bowls and old bowls? And what, what are we really listening for when we play a bowl? You know, there's so many different aspects to the tones and the qualities. Maybe, maybe it's something that you teach, but uh, you know, what should we be listening for? And what different things, if you could define them, that we're hearing in a bowl? Absolutely. Thank you for this question. I love talking about it. Um, okay, I may start with uh, bringing um, bringing up the term timbre, um, and then we'll talk about uh, the sound partials, and then we talk about the overtones and harmonics and harmonic series. And then we will uh, apply this fresh knowledge, or for somebody that would be <clears throat> a reminder, uh, we'll see how it works with the singing bowls. So each uh, natural sound, rather that would be my voice, uh, a tone of a flute, a string of a guitar, uh, a bird, a cow, a cat, a dog, um, we can we know the difference between all these tones because because each of these tones has what we call timbre, a signature, a color, a temperature, a character. So what is timbre? Timbre is the combination of uh, different frequencies. If I would use the um, analogy of what timbre is, I would probably uh, take a look at the sunlight which goes through uh, diffraction prism and then we see the white light is being broken to seven colors. Uh, before, we, before we look at those seven colors, but we, we just look at the ray of, of the light, we don't see these colors in that white light, uh, white ray, uh, but the colors are there. Same thing is happening with, uh, with the voice or with, with the tone played by flute or guitar or anything else. This tone uh, consists out of many frequencies. Uh, and these frequencies, they have very particular uh, ratios between them. So the lowest frequency is carrying uh, the most of the acoustic energy. Uh, it's the loudest frequency, and we call we call this sound partial. 
this fraction of the sound, we call it a fundamental tone. The fundamental tone is defining the actual note that is being sang or played. The other fractions of the sound, we also call them sound partials or overtones or harmonics. Uh, they have higher pitch than the fundamental tone. And the higher you go, the less audible that frequency becomes, the less acoustic energy it will carry. When, oh yeah, and the, uh, the number of these frequencies, the number of these sound partials uh, are basically, uh, there is no end to these partials. However, they just, uh, uh, they become not audible uh, because they become too quiet. And not, I'm sorry, I, I, have to, I have to make a disclaimer here. It's not always the truth. It depends on the timbre, it depends on the instrument, uh, depends on a few other things. Uh, so the, the ratio between the sound partials, uh, as I said before, is, is a fixed ratio. And this ratio is a multiple integer of the fundamental, two, three, four, five, and so on and so forth. So if the ratio is two, three, four, five, uh, and so on, we call those sound partials harmonics. Every voice, every tone, except for the pure tone generated by computer pure tone and a few more tools in the nature has these harmonics. And the relationship between those harmonics is almost the same in every timbre. Uh, when we look at the uh, wind instruments such as uh, clarinet, didgeridoo, um, horn. So the uh, the ratios between the harmonics are only odd odd numbers. Uh, you don't have uh, multiples uh, such as two, four, six. It's only the fundamental and then the triple of the fundamental and then five times the, the fundamental and then seven, nine, and so on. But every voice, every human voice has uh, double, triple, four times, and so on. Um, so I'm digressing a little bit, but I just have to say that I came across uh, one book that was saying that in that book there was little uh, misleading information about um, Axl Rose, Janis Joplin having only odd harmonics in the timbre. I checked it through my sound analyzer, a few applications, and it's simply not truth. So, while listening to the timbre, any timbre, we cannot differ differentiate between these harmonics. Uh, they come as a steady tone. There are techniques uh, to highlight these harmonics. Uh, with the guitar, for example, if I slide my nail on the string, I will hear the harmonic. Uh, you can also do uh, a little trick with the flutes, uh, such as uh, shakuhachi, for example. Uh, the, the flute shakuhachi is a really good example where you can hear uh, the overtone separate of uh, the actual note. Uh, throat singing, 
uh, people are able to isolate those harmonics uh, and just to highlight them, to isolate them. Now, what is happening with the singing balls, with the bells? Singing ball is a bell. Uh, these sound partials, each sound partial is prominent, and you can you can hear it uh, pretty well, uh, sounding along with other sound partials. So basically, you are listening to one uh, source of a sound, but you are but you can hear multiple tones. And those tones, they well, the relationship uh, is not is not the same as as a normal timbre would have. So some singing balls, uh, they show really interesting relationship. Uh, uh, there will be no uh, second harmonic or the third harmonic or the fourth harmonic. The the ratios are 2.5, 2.3, or 3.2. Uh, so what is happening, uh, well, with the, but this is my opinion and I want to emphasize on it. Uh, there was no research uh, on this subject uh, for the best of my knowledge. But I think while listening to the singing bowl, uh, our brain doesn't really know how to deal with it. It would be, you know, well, as, well, as you would listen to two people talking at the same time and speaking different languages and you still want to register uh, both of them and process what they talk about so you listen to two three four five different voices speaking to you at the same time and trying to make sense of it this is exactly what is happening while we're listening to singing ball now another interesting thing about it is that uh, each sound partial is pulsating, and the the rate of pulsation is unpredictable. The low tone may pulsate slow. The higher pitch, uh, higher uh, higher overtone, and I don't call it harmonic because unless there is a relationship of multiple integers, so I just fix myself calling it uh, overtone. So higher overtone may pulsate much faster than the, the, low, the low tone, or it may pulsate the same speed, or it may pulsate lower, I mean, uh, slower. And you can catch up to four, five, seven different tones separate from each other. Uh, and, and, well, I call it a game of tones. They would all sound, there will be something interesting in each of them. And while they play all together, uh, you just want to uh, surrender to this sound because it's something really triggering your attention. And I would even say stops your, uh, you just stop processing it rationally. Just go, oh, what is this? I'm not familiar with it. And even if you listen to a singing ball for a thousand times, still. Now, um, I also want to talk about those uh, pulsations. Um, and I think it's very important. Uh, uh, those pulsations are resulting from uh, a 
difference between two frequencies of each sound partial. So in singing vowels, in bells, uh, to define uh, each sound partial, uh, we must use two frequencies, not one. For example, if I would uh, play my flute now, a note A, for example, the fourth octave, 440 hertz, I know that the second harmonic is 880, the third one is 12, I'm sorry, 1320, and so on and so forth, right? Um, and each harmonic, each sound partial has only one frequency, but with singing balls, it's two frequencies. And therefore, I can, I, I hear it as a pulsation. So this pulsation, we call it manural beat. There is a concept of binaural beat is when you are synchronizing with your to with your brain you're synchronizing slightly different frequencies coming uh, out of two different sources but when those frequencies are being uh, played from one source one membrane and come to you as pulsations uh, this concept uh, we call it manual bit so while listening to this bit uh, there is an entrain entraining happening the brainwave entraining and even if you don't uh, um, even if you don't know what is the brainwave entrainment and what are manual binaural bits you certainly know what is a rhythmic entrainment uh, so in a very simple language the each tone that we are listening from the singing bowl is entraining us with its own beat, with its own rhythm. And I just find it very fascinating. Um, and well, this is actually why singing bowl is uh, my instrument of choice. Yeah, and I, I wonder if you could explain or if you have an idea the effects you know, the difference between perhaps a fast pulsation, a slow pulsation, and when we're drawn into the higher tone versus the deeper tone. When you're initially talking about your experiences with bowls, you said, well, one may felt kind of dark and one felt kind of joyful. Where do you think that's happening in the sound? So besides, besides the, uh, the, the actual frequency of uh, frequencies of the timbre, right? How low or high uh, uh, each frequency is. Uh, there is also a character of the sound, a story that the instrument is telling you, or not the the instrument, just the voice. If you would listen not only to the verbal content of my voice, but to my voice only. Uh, well, I, I believe you would be able to make a conclusion, rather you like this voice or you don't, and why, also why you don't like this voice or why you do like this voice. So, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that we are drawn to uh, high pitch and, uh, and try to avoid low pitch. Uh, uh, well, I know many people, including myself. Um, that uh, love low tones, you know, uh, drums, uh, ocean, uh, so many beautiful low tones, but there is a, like each tone 
do something else. So, in my opinion, low tones are grounding us. Of course, it depends on the rhythm, and of course, it depends on how uh, intense the tone is, because it might might be low and it might be slow, but it might be uh, too loud, so that would be irritating. But in terms of the pulsations, the rhythms, um, uh, well, I would refer to uh, uh, the brainwave patterns. And uh, each pattern is associated with a certain brain activity. Slower, uh, slower uh, uh, brainwave pattern is, is associated with the slower brain activity or sleep or meditation. And uh, certainly when we are irritated or nervous, uh, so our uh, brain, you know, we have this buzzing going on. So listening to the buzzing will give you a buzzing. And listening to something steady and slow will uh, finally bring you into a steady and uh, more balanced uh, state of mind. Now, oh, uh, I want to talk about something very interesting, uh, uh, again, about singing bowls. And I just mentioned about uh, the, the ethos, the character of the sound. Um, and that's also related to one of your questions. You asked me about the difference uh, between the old and the new singing bowls. Uh, whoa. Uh, you know, when you become, uh, when you become really, uh, when you go beyond the sound uh, and you listen with the whole body and you are, you're stepping, stepping away from your, from, from, from the judge within you. Uh, when you connect to the sound, when you become the sound, you start to download uh, a story, a scenario, an information. And this information is not necessarily, is, it, you know, it's not always being processed and, and come as, as uh, some uh, conceptual uh, Lego or whatever. It's just something that is being downloaded uh, and uploaded from from the source and it, well it just makes you feel it you don't want to go and rationalize it you just you just want to connect to it it gives a certain feeling and you feel it after it as well you just carry it so uh, high pitch low pitch uh, I can't say that just talking about these aspects, I, I, you know, I can point and highlight and say, well, certainly that the low tone would make you relax and the high tone would make you, uh, will uplift you. It's not always the truth. It depends on the timbre. It depends on the ethos, the character of the sound. Uh, with the old singing balls, I believe they play much softer. And they play, there is something very... Uh, enigmatic about uh, about their song while to me uh, modern metal singing balls uh, well I, I I've seen many of these like really high quality but still uh, I can I can hear metal I can hear um, the uh, relationship between the uh, sound partials, 
I can hear the, uh, the pulsations, but I don't feel as connected to the story of the uh, contemporary singing bowl as I feel with uh, the antique singing bowl. And, uh, well, um, well, I was running a lot of blind tests, still do that with my students and including myself and including my fiance. Um, nine of 10 cases, uh, I'm able to, uh, to tell which ball is uh, uh, contemporary and which one is, uh, is an antique one. And one other thing that, you know, I've noticed quite a bit with the, the new bowls and how they're sold is they are often related to the, the chakra system that you mentioned that, you, you know, people want to get the chakra sets with the note C as their lowest, and the note D and the note E. And it's almost like you've already answered that question is that it's more about listening to the bowl and how does it make you feel? How does it affect you rather than uh, you know, it says this bowl is for this, so use it, use it for this. Is that right? Well, what I was, uh, um, what I would recommend uh, people to do is, first of all, uh, always to ask a question, why? Why is this uh, bowl is, uh, is related to heart chakra? Why is this bowl related to throat chakra and so on? And if the answer is because it's the note F or the note A, ask why note A of the modern Western uh, equal temperament scale is somehow uh, related to Ayurvedic, uh, suggested Ayurvedic system of chakras. Uh, but we don't know what we don't know, right? Sometimes it's, it just takes lifetime to uh, come, come with the uh, right question. And then another lifetime to get closer to the right answer. Um, well, I, I work with people. Uh, first of all, I never work with chakras. I never have this intention to balance or open or to do anything at all with chakras and to be uh, completely transparent. I don't understand what chakras are and I don't pretend to understand what it is. Um, I, I work with, uh, uh, with people's emotions because the sound, that's what the sound does. It triggers our emotions. It triggers our mental, emotional responses as, and as a result of us being emotionally um, involved. There is also some movement in our body. I uh, just strongly believe that our memories, our emotions, we store them in the body. And I, I just, I, I had many examples in my life when I uh, was proving that to myself. So, when you choose a singing bowl, or when you uh, when you are in uh, in the position of uh, of a practitioner working with other people, uh, this is my recommendation: um, match a singing bowl 
or any other instrument, any other timbre accordingly to the needs of your client, to the needs of the listener. Uh, if you see that the person is coming to you with a broken heart, for example, maybe for, uh, and I say maybe, and I want to emphasize on that, maybe, maybe you want to give them or her first something sweet and melancholic to feel to feel that sense of being face-to-face uh, -face with your broken heart. And then maybe, again, the key word, pull the listener out of it, uh, giving, giving him or her something else, a ray of sun, a ray of, I don't want to say hope, uh, a ray of real sound right, a array of real joy by switching to uh, a different tone, switching to a different ether. So, uh, well, this is the style uh, and uh, the methods that I use and, and that's how I suggest people to work with sound. Uh, yeah, and uh, um, it's important also to mention, uh, you know, we, we talk about sound, but sound uh, could be melted into music. So once you understand the uh, just the basics of music theory, or even don't know the music theory, but you know uh, the difference between the major chords and the minor chords, uh, so it's very helpful in your work because uh, you can create a journey for for your client, your listener and to take your listener to a journey. Um, you asked me about choosing a singing bowl, and you asked me about the chakras, and I, uh, I, I give you, you know, I just, uh, I'm flowing into totally uh, another subject, uh, but the subject is how to listen, and what listening really is. So it's important, not only when you choose an instrument, Sinking ball in particular, but it's just generally speaking, it's important to uh, to know the difference between uh, uh, the passive hearing and active listening, and just the simplest, uh, you know, the, the most simple way to explain what active listening is is just not to be uh, on your own way while you are listening. Uh, you know, uh, well. Uh, there, there is no room in, in um, uh, like in, in the uh, cabinet of your dispatcher. There is no room for any judgment to squeeze in because you are focused on listening. And you let the sound to guide you. You let the sound to introduce you to the energy and the information that it's carrying. So, well... That's it. That's what listening is. So when you are listening to a singing bowl, because now we are getting back to the specific instrument, uh, be really present to what do you feel while listening to this bowl, and 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 then well uh, maybe maybe how can you use it? How can you associate it with your journey? Uh, 
well, maybe it's a good friend that could give you a wise uh, suggestion, or maybe uh, maybe it's a you know a troublemaker that would uh, evoke your inner child. <clears throat> uh, anything else, you know? Well, so while listening to the singing ball, think, okay, what what do I accept? What do I receive from from this instrument? How do I resonate with it? Do I really need it? That's it. That's, you know, that's the secret. That's great advice um, for anybody trying to find a bowl because, you know, there's so many options and I think people um, aren't quite sure how to start or, or what, to li what to listen for and that really is key is, is to listen and how does it how does it make you feel? And, you know, when you first started talking about getting into this work, um, you said you had so many questions. And actually, the more you learned, the more questions you had. Um, any advice for somebody getting into this work um, for, for good directions to look or maybe um, things to be careful about uh, as well? As just because now there is so much information, information or even disinformation out there. Yeah, uh, this is very, uh, well, it's a complex question. Uh, again, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And uh, as I said before, you have to be careful. You have to be skeptical. Skepticism, you know, uh, it's, it's a healthy thing. Skepticism is something that makes you uh, learn and uh, well, you know, to be in trust is good, but to be in trust is also being comfortable. So I would say, get yourself out of the conference, the comfort zone all the time. Learn something new. Learn all the time. Uh, for someone that gets into uh, the work with sound, uh, I would recommend, of course study the physics of sound and I would say of course study the uh, music theory and uh, also get some information about uh, or even the observations about the psychoacoustics <clears throat> by watching movies and paying attention uh, how the sound is being used in that movie to uh, to amplify your emotions and maybe you want to duplicate it or somehow, you know, use that uh, effect. Um, uh, listen to uh, Sound Heals podcast <laughs> of Natalie Brown. Uh, uh, of course, one of the, uh, I think, uh, the best recommendations is to join uh, Facebook page, The Art and Science of Sound Healing, which has uh, all questions that you haven't even uh, come up with. Uh, we got the answers to these questions. Uh, but, you know, even, even having all that available and open still, uh, well, I want you to know, not you, Natalie, but uh, you, the listener, I want you to know that there is a big chance that uh, you will be misled. There's a big chance 
that you will click the button of the website that says um, uh, sound healing courses, uh, scientific approach, and you will be taught to use uh, uh, notes of music, uh, of musical, Western musical modern scale to three chakras. So just be, be ready for that. <laughs> it's all part of the journey. What can I say? Uh, but yeah, well, be skeptical and be open, open, open all the time, open, ask questions, observe, observe, and ask more questions. Yeah, yeah, be skeptical, be curious, be open. Yeah, that's great. Now let's talk a little bit more about some of the things that, that you're doing specifically. Of course, you have Bells of Bliss and I, don't you have a, a new academy as well? Do you want to mention either of those projects you have? Thank you, Natalie. Well, I, I really appreciate your question. It will uh, give me the chance to talk about my field. Uh, you know, there is something else I want to address to your previous question. I think this is uh, critical. Uh, so one of the most popular approaches in sound healing is uh, uh, reminding me, me personally, very well of the pharmaceutical approach. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, you know, the pharmaceutical approach, uh, you come with a headache and you get the pill to, <laughs> uh, to knock it down, <laughs> to not, not to feel the pain. Uh, and you know, it doesn't matter which organ uh, is uh, uh, bringing you troubles, you will get the right pill, okay? Now, one of the approaches of modern uh, sound healing is to, to, to treat chakra, uh, which is associated with a specific uh, uh, aspect of your life, or uh, quite often, uh, it's not even quite often, it just appears all the time, uh, somebody would advertise uh, some uh, superior uh, frequencies. This is the frequency of love, this is the frequency of uh, uh, to repair the DNA, and this is the frequency uh, to strengthen your bones, and this frequency is for liver, and this frequency is for heart. Um, so uh, I, I think, you know, this approach is just very harm, harmful. It's harmful because it restricts the person, the client, to, to do some work. Uh, I can see not only me. Well, of course, sound sound therapy. I don't even want to call it sound healing. You know, the uh, the theme of uh, the field of uh, uh, working with sound uh, for health, the sound wellness. Right? Um, it's the holistic approach, first of all. And uh, by saying holistic approach, we consider working with body, mind, and spirit. So if you treat your client uh, with the superior quality to fix uh, the DNA of uh, uh, the, uh, your, your client, well, first of all, I don't know who gave you that permission to fix somebody's DNA, but whatever, you have the uh, certificate, okay, which you got after uh, a weekend of uh, study with somebody. I'm sorry, I'm like, being a little too skeptical right now. but. You are not doing any good for your client. You are not. Uh, you are restricting the person you want to help to 
with uh, just putting him or her in very uh, close frames just to lay down and to receive. Uh, healing is, is a process that uh, each of us is responsible for. And as a practitioner, you are responsible to provide uh, the person with, uh, with everything uh, the person needs to go and fix something by him or herself. So, yeah, uh, and that actually leads me to your question. And again, thank you. Uh, well, I recently launched uh, uh, my uh, uh, sound medicine or sound wellness academy. And um, I help people to, uh, uh, well, I, I, I teach people physics of sound. I teach people music theory, I teach people psychoacoustics, I teach them all, uh, all about the rhythms, I teach people how to compel the listener. Even, well, me, myself, I was like the less, you know, I, I had no patience in my life. So I know how, how does it feel to be uh, compelled to do some work. It's, it wasn't easy to me, but yet I dealt with it and I... Um, you know, I, uh, I fixed it. So, so this is, uh, this is where my, uh, uh, my accent is, is to uh, give people enough information uh, how to work uh, with themselves utilizing the sound and how to work with other people using the sound. It's an online academy. Uh, I offer three different levels. Um, and um, whoever is interested uh, could just take any program uh, in, in its own pace uh, because it just opened the computer or your, well, I, I would rather not, uh, my students not to take the program through the smartphones, uh, but well, computer is okay. Uh, read the text, uh, go through the tables, uh, go through the videos, audio files, and then we also, I also offer um, uh, meetings, like Zoom meetings, phone, phone meetings, to go uh, over the questions. Yeah, well, another work that uh, I am, uh, well, uh, what I, you know, my, my new project is, I, I, I really want to do something uh, to think uh, the medicine plant which brought me to my path uh, so I want to um, I want to record I have one album uh, I want to record a, a new album uh, which uh, will be related to the Icaros the songs of the ayahuasca uh, that I will play or somehow uh, connect the sound of singing bowls to the Icaros. So this is another project. And thank you again for your question. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's what I was leading to is, you know, what, what are you being drawn to at this time? You know, um, over, over the last, what, 10 years or more now, I guess it's been maybe 14 years since that first uh, ayahuasca yeah. experience. 
uh, it's just continued to develop for you and you continue to learn uh, for yourself and with other people, from other people. What is most prominent for you right now? What's really uh, piqued, your, piqued your interest over this past year? Um, well, I've been, uh, I'm not at my best right now in terms of the motivation. I shared it with you once we spoke some time ago. Um, but I know it will pass. I know it will pass. I had uh, some, you know, ups and downs uh, through my journey, so I know it's just one of them. Um, well, currently I'm learning to play guitar, and I really enjoy it. And this is my first time. I'm 44 years old, uh, first time picking up a guitar. Uh, and by the way, it's just interesting how I, uh, well, uh, my fiance just uh, she wanted an ukulele, and we we got into guitar center. And while waiting for her to choose an ukulele, I uh, was given a try to different guitars, and I picked one, which is not uh, very uh, attractive uh, visually, but I loved the sound so much, and it appeared to be the most expensive guitar <laughs> on the world, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a Martin guitar. I, I, I did buy it. <laughs> and now I really enjoy playing it. Um, uh, I'm very much looking forward uh, to go back to my patients uh, before the pandemic for the past um, almost five years. I was playing in rehabilitation centers and uh, uh, one uh, uh, nursing home in Manhattan. And uh, the elders in the nursing home, uh, they are my favorite uh, audience. Favorite, favorite, favorite. And I'm so much looking forward to get back there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, such a tough year for everyone, uh, having, not being able to offer these services and see everyone uh, that we're used to and we've just got to uh, assume that it's going to pass as soon as, as, as it can so we can see these people again and um, I think that's great that you uh, have picked up guitar and uh, it's a new skill and you've got a Martin you know and so that's a great great instrument to to learn on uh, that's excellent so gosh anything uh, you want to leave us with Anything that we've kind of passed by that we haven't haven't talked about that you'd like to bring up? Mm -hmm. um, very interesting year, right? Twenty twenty, uh, <laughs> uh, a year of roller coaster, a year of thin ice, a year of uh, uh, some of us are being on lockdown. And some of us are being involved in uh, Games of Thrones ninth season, uh, which is uh, you know unexpectedly actually uh, it was expected happening uh, with our politicians, and there's so many things that are uh, uh, tending us to get out of the balance. Um, 
and the communication between the people now you know it's uh, it's it, it gets really rare to talk to someone and look look in the eyes uh, sensing the presence of another person next to you which could totally change your reaction to the verbal content that the person may say so um, I would say I want to leave us all with be be present uh, this year gives you all the alerts all the red flags that the time is now the time is now go inwards sense yourself familiarize even more with who you are what you are what are your capabilities what are your boundaries and constantly uh, work on being connected to your core now since our podcast is about sound use that tool it's there for you use your voice use uh, use the music uh, use the the birds behind your window the kids laughing or crying behind your window because sound is actually is a really great tool to bring you into the moment here and now all you need to do is just to focus yeah that's well said yeah and sound is such a great way to direct your focus you know there's there's many people that have hard time meditating because it's all about you know quieting the mind or kind of uh, eliminating what is there but if you have something like sound where you can really just be present with it and that is your focus that can be a really great way just to bring yourself in yeah when you're feeling kind of scattered or overwhelmed so yeah i really appreciate that thank you natalie thank you, thank you. it's been so wonderful to, to talk with you hear from you to hear about you and and all the advice you you'd offered everyone uh, about the goals as well appreciate your time yeah i really love when people refer to me with questions uh, with you know when people ask me to help them to select a bowl <laughs> that's you know it just gives me uh i well it wakes me up i feel i feel okay here's my purpose okay i can i can help the person so I, I guess that's why, that's why, uh, yeah, people give uh, good references to what I do. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast, sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. And keep up to date with what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com. Check things out on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio. And you can listen to all previous podcasts as well as music meditations on the YouTube channel at Sounds Heal Studio. Be well and stay tuned. <laughs>